You're listening to title music from Caveman Games, released October 1990, composed by Alan McKeon. What's up, BG Maniacs? Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he is the host of The Movie Bar. Every month with the dyad, it's Bedroth. It's me, man. It's me. I'm pumped. I am excited about this episode. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm excited to get on this nice stretch of Bedroth included episodes that I mentioned the last time you were with us. Yeah. But, uh, before we get into anything else, really, real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. Really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zanku. Two for two, Bedroth. I did it. The episode of Gardens and Flowers was up bright and early Wednesday morning on the 22nd. (laughs) Yep. Yep, and, yep, uh, yep. I can say hopefully Radio Hour followed suit next week on or last week on the 29th <laughs> because we're we recording are in, recording in the past, this episode. Talking about the future because in the future the past is going to be the past and before then it's going to be the present and time is fun. Yes, uh, because time is we fun. are recording this episode really early. We're about two weeks early on this one. 
Um, but we're, we're kind of moving some things around to record so that way we can include you on all the episodes we have planned over the next two months because, um, man, these are going to be some exciting ones. But yeah, you said you were anticipating listening to the playlist today. We are talking about, uh, you know, speaking of time, right? Speak- yeah, I didn't even mean to do that, but look at that. Yes. <laughs> speaking of time. We're going back in time, baby. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Man, Doc and Marty never went to the uh, the Stone Age or or they the Dinosaur did. Age. That would that would have been fun. No. But but Barney Rubble did live in the Stone Age, so that is true. That is true. Um, although you know they might have back in on the animated show when they they went back to like lots of different time periods, and somehow there oh, was still possible. there was still a tannin in every time period. <laughs> <laughs> But there are no tannins on the episode today. No, no, there is not. There is not. We are talking today about the prehistoric past, right? Prehistoric planet, I think I called this one. Yep. Something similar to that. Uh, Speaking specifically, I think what we focused in on being caveman or prehistoric man and dinosaurs. You don't want those Geico cavemen coming after you, man. Careful. No. No. (laughs) Yeah, I think we did end up with pretty much with cavemen and dinosaurs. And I did at one point have a theme that wasn't about that. Um, And I guess I, I have another track that's not really specifically about that later on. But... Uh, but definitely all prehistory before, you know, before we started writing stuff down, keeping a record of all the, the things we've messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine some people live by those books, Bedroth? I'm not even talking about books, dude. I'm just talking about history. You know, no, I know. I, <laughs> I know. But yeah, know. <laughs> some, some people live by the history books, too. Even even when we find out maybe they're not 100 percent accurate, people are still willing to die on that hill. <laughs> yeah, Looking at you, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> yep. We're not talking about Christopher Columbus. We are talking about, well, like you said, cavemen, caveman games, and dinosaur games. But specifically, we started with a track from a game that you and I both have a lot of fond memories of, Caveman Games on the NES. Yeah, your first uh, submission of the episode. Yep, that was the first one. I, I knew I was going to pick that for this episode before I even knew we were going to have an episode. So, Known as uh, Caveman Olympics everywhere else but uh, here in the States. <laughs> yep, and when it was ported to the NES here in America, it was called Caveman Games here. This is we're pretty too dumb much... to understand Olympics. So yeah, Olympics. That's that's much more British pun humor. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, this is about the only track in the game, and it's just it's such a fun like romp. It's it was a good party game back on the NES. It really was in, in an era where a party game wasn't really a thing. Yeah, for anybody who who hasn't ever played or heard of caveman games picture like the track and field games but with a whole lot more character and a caveman aesthetic and that's pretty much it it um you controlled a caveman or there's one cave woman who you could play as and you go through this series of trials like instead of the hundred yard dash you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger yeah instead of uh, the hammer throw it's the mate toss and you're spinning your your cave bride around by her hair and seeing how far you can fling her or if you play as a girl, you're throwing the guy. Yep, yep. And then there's, a, of course, instead of fencing, there's the club, you know, you're, you're clubbing each other. And Bashing w- each other on the head. One of my favorites was uh, the, the pole vault where you're jumping over the T-Rex. <laughs> and yeah. if you don't quite make it far enough, he will grab you and fling you into his mouth. And that's, oh, man. 
It's so good. So good. Sound effects are a lot of fun. Th this game is like oddly just burned into my memory more than, than several other games I played when I was a kid. It was yeah, really charming. I played this a lot back on the NES and another similar game that I think released at the same time and I'm very curious to know like were these inspired by each other but Snoopy Silly Sports Spectacular. See you've talked about that game and I don't think I've ever even seen that game in the wild. It had oh I dude I played the absolute shit out of Snoopy Silly Sports Spectacular <laughs> when I was a kid. I owned this game. Um, my grandma and I loved it like walking around as Snoopy carrying the pizzas and stuff. Um yeah, but they they were very similar. There's like a pole vaulting mini game in each one, right? Mm -hmm. Snoopy's you're pole vaulting over a river, and uh, in okay. Caveman you're pole vaulting over a T-Rex. Yep, yep. Like, and they're they're very similar mini games too. Like, I don't know. It 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 just reminds me like they had to have been inspired by each other. Maybe I do have to ask. Yeah. Did you play this game with a power pad or some other kind of controller that had a turbo function? No, I just played it with the standard. I didn't have anything Man. special when I was a kid. Like I didn't have a turbo controller. I didn't have a power glove. I didn't have a power mat or whatever the heck they were called. I did have, I don't remember it. The, the power pad I, I think was, <laughs> I think was the arcade stick type controller. Um, I am thinking, uh, I, I had the, uh, the joy con, the, the joy con, the controller that you think of now that instead of a d-pad it has like a sliding disc and then it had an a button and a b button and a turbo oh, a and a turbo yeah, b i yeah, had yeah, one yeah. of those i've seen those i have seen and, those yeah and my first turbo controller wasn't until the super nintendo yeah well it would have been really nice on this game comes in handy because it's a it's a button masher I believe it it, it was <laughs> it absolutely was i think i think the fire making one where you made fire that oh was yeah one of my favorites that was for one of my sure favorites. and what's so cool is that you could like blow on the other guy's fire and keep them from yeah, putting keep it, it from starting. Yeah, it's awesome. It's Man, amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was a great win. Man, this game is so fun. I'm going to have to boot this up on a ROM or something and just fart around in it because it's such a cool little game. Seriously, go look up some like some footage or something. And it's I really think like think that they if they ported this to something now, even just as it was, it would be people would love it. It's charming. Although it would be, it would be fun. The gameplay would, is not as popular. Would people love it. I think they love the the look, but the way it plays probably not as popular these days. I'm not even thinking more about the way it plays. I'm thinking more about uh, some of the, the content in the game, like bashing your husband oh. away from the club, people getting pissed off about the content. In the oh, game. yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know that it would maybe. fit in the quote unquote modern society. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe some things are, are best left in nostalgia. But, uh, but man, I would, um, I, I would love it. I'm not speaking about, oh yeah, me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. And I can't believe I said nostalgia and not the past when that's literally what we're talking about today. The um, prehistoric past. but man, I am excited. I found some really fantastic music. I had, after I narrowed it down, I had like still 20 or 21 tracks that I easily could have brought any of. Yeah. You told me at one point you had 75 or some well, crazy astronomical that was, number. That was just at the very beginning after I went through several different games and playlists and, and just saved things to a playlist. Blew my mind. <laughs> I did not listen that many to tracks. all of those. I didn't listen to all of them. <laughs> I uh, Once I did, I, I went through and kind of, I might have plugged in and, and listened for like five or ten seconds long enough to know if it was really good enough to keep. And there okay. were a lot I was able to weed down pretty quickly. I say, I don't, you, you kill yourself weekly for these episodes. <laughs> I don't appreciate it, but damn. Uh, it's fun. I like listening to a bunch of music, so 
unfortunately i have a job where i can do it so yeah me too which is nice well shall we move into my first block that includes a track i am dying for you to hear Yes, I'm I'm ready to hear this track that you have been talking to me about. So let's get I have into been it. talking up this track to you, much like I have been talking up my submissions from Radio Hour last week. If you skip that episode, go check it out, because what I brought from Atomic Heart, I only brought stuff from Atomic Heart for my picks. It mm-hmm. blew my mind, dude. And it, I only uh, I only brought I sh- stuff from... I shared uh, one. I shared one with you. You did, and it was it was fantastic. You really, really enjoyed that game. I think I liked it probably more than 98% of the people that played it, but oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, it sounds, especially if you like that, you know, the first person, the history of first person games, it sounds like one you'd really, really like, because you said there were a lot of throwbacks. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Doom elements, a lot of Wolfenstein elements, obviously some heavy Bioshock elements. So Definitely uh, some heavier picks than what I brought from Soyo Oka's new, uh, new EP, <laughs> but uh, my stuff was fun, nevertheless, and always nice to hear new stuff from a classic composer, but absolutely. But, but now let's hear some old stuff about even let's older stuff. Let's get into old it. Stuff, some real old stuff, and we're going to kick things off with one of the first franchises that I think of, because I'm such a big fan of it, and I I think we've talked about that before on the show. Um, I'm a massive fan of the Flintstones. So anytime you bring up prehistoric anything, I tend to think of Bedrock and the Flintstones, right? The Stone Age. Yeah. So I had to bring a track from a Flintstones game. So I went with, and we're going to kick things off with, Plains and Snow, even though it's not winter anymore, from the Flintstones, (laughs) Treasure of Sierra Madrock. This released in March of 1994, and it was composed by Norihiro Furukawa and Kinosuke Sumura. Thank you. 
Up next in this block, let's take a listen to Prehistoric Jungle from Superbunk. This released in November of 1994, and it was composed by Masaki Nishizawa, Kaiji Ayuki, and Kenosuke Sumura. Last up in this block, we'll be taking a listen to the main theme from a prehistoric tale. This released sometime in 1990, and it was composed by Jochen Hippel.
coming back in, we are talking about Plains and Snow from the Flintstones, Treasure of Sierra Madrock, again, composed by Norihiro Furukawa and Kinosuke Sumura. Yeah, dude, it's the uh, it's the Flintstones theme, but it's it's remixed into a nice little, like, chill version, right? A slowed down version. It really is nice, man. Like, this is perfect for for a snowy level it's and yet and yet it also sounds like it would be perfect for like a surfing level you know like yeah it's, yeah, it's really groovy it's, but it's also you know super chill and this is just missing some like chimes or something to give it like a, a wintry feel and then it would be a perfect Ooh, or some sleigh bells no track or sleigh bells yeah there's sleigh bells <laughs> and everything um but what's interesting about the treasure of sierra madrock as i was listening to the soundtrack all of the tracks outside of like maybe two or three are just remixes of the main theme of the Flintstones just done in like a different genre. That's that's cool. I like the variations on a theme idea and what, what you can do with different what what you can do with different styles on the same track. And I, I don't know. I, I love the Flintstones. I'm, I'm probably not as big a fan as you are the way that you talk about them. But I, I do. I love the Flintstones and. Um, I, I spent so much time watching it when I was a kid, and I played a yeah. lot of the NES game, The Rescue of Dino and Hoppy. Okay. Um, it was it, it's got some really fun music. Uh, I remember the basketball music a lot in that game for some reason. There's a, like a basketball I don't think mini I game. Played that game. I don't remember playing that one. It was pretty um, fun. I spent quite a bit of time in that. We could probably do a whole episode with just Flintstones games tracks. We probably There's could. some really good music or, in Flintstones games. Or Bedroth, a Hanna-Barbera episode. Ooh, I like that idea. <laughs> Slot that in for 2024. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, man. That's a dope idea, actually. We're going to do it. But Sounds good. I haven't Sounds played good. The Treasure of Sierra Madrock. This is one that I've not played. There were two Flintstone games that I owned. This is not one of them. At least I don't think I did. I don't remember it by looking up footage of it. Um, it involved like a set of themed worlds, which kind of is reminiscent of like Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo, but each space isn't a level. It says rolling the dice results in either Fred or Barney moving to the appropriate space on the board, and then depending on the space you land on, the player must either clear a level in that particular world, defeat a boss, or enter a shop. Oh, so it's weird. kind of like Super Mario World meets a real early version of Mario Party. Okay. Huh. <laughs> but it's not like a party gamer anything like that. I don't even think it's a multiplayer game. No, it doesn't that, have that's, multiplayer That's weird. So, there you go. It's, I mean, it sounds like it could be fun if they did it right, but that does sound weird. Uh, I don't know that I ever played any of Flintstones games besides the one on the NES, but I... Uh, I've listened to several over the years. Uh, shout out to the Flintstones movie adaptation released on SNES by Ocean. I, I've heard that it's just a horrible game. The footage looks <laughs> terrible, um, but the music is by Dean Evans, and it is just some fantastic psychedelic stuff. I'm definitely going to bring one for a radio hour one of these one of these days soon. Yeah, everything you've brought from Dean Evans in the past has always been super impressive, so I will never say no to that. <laughs> Well, another series that we could probably do just a whole showcase on and that has had quite a few games and is also iconic when it comes to video game cavemen. Yes. Is your next track. Super Bonk. Talking about prehistoric jungle. Composed again by Masaki Nishizawa, Kaiju, I said that wrong, Kaiji Yuiki, mm -hmm. and Kinosuke Sumura. Again, Kinosuke Sumura appearing uh, after having a credit on that Flintstones Treasure of Sierra Madrock track. 
and this was published by Hudson Soft, um, developed by AI. I don't think that was the same company that did the Flintstones game. So it's I think it's just coincidence potentially hmm. that um, okay. the same composer features. I'm actually looking now to double check to see because I don't remember. Superbunk was fun. I, I played some Bonk at a friend's house on the Turbo Graphics, and oh, I played, Taito, so played Super weird. Bonk. Oh, okay. Yeah, so no, this has nothing to do with either one. Just a coincidence, I guess. But anyway, continue. And Bonk is a really charming character. I, I wish that he would have made it to Smash by now, at least as an assist trophy, because he really is is one of the few big mascots left who hasn't made it. And because he was, he was basically the Mario of the Turbo Graphics 16. And yeah, and I mean, the Nintendo character, it's very interesting that he's not included at all. Is he a Nintendo character? I mean, he was, I don't think, because he's not first party and Hudson is not a subsidiary. I, I think, I think Bonk would be third party. Was, was Hubs, was Hudson not a subsidiary at one point? I thought they were. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think they may have been second party because they did do okay. Mario Party for Nintendo. Obviously, I know Hudson doesn't exist anymore, so I don't know if Nintendo got their properties when they went away. Uh, never mind, Konami did. So, yeah. No, he's, yeah, he's a Konami that. character. Yeah. Konami. Okay. Okay, cool. Like, uh, like Bomberman. Um. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, Bonk is cool. And all of the Bonk games and the uh, the futuristic space age shooter franchise, Zonk, also has fantastic <laughs> music. Um, it's It basically is like Bonk, but he looks like a, a spaceman that he's flying and shooting lasers. And it's, but yeah, there's some great music in, in Air Zonk. It's really good stuff. But Super yeah. Bonk is the fourth Bonk game. How many are there? There's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, twelve. Wow. Um, I don't Bonk think we've gotten all of them. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we've gotten all of them, to be fair. Uh, because a lot of these are just Japanese names um, and no translated names. Looks like the last one we may have gotten was Bonk's Return in okay. 2006, which was a mobile game. Mm. Um, I think Bonk is due for... Uh... Was, before that was Super Bonk. Super Bonk is the last one to come over here. Wow. I think Bonk is due for a comeback, man. I think that uh, he would he would play well in, in modern gaming and... Super Bonk, though, was the best Bonk game I ever played. Um, granted, I haven't played a whole lot, but it was this game was really, really fun, really smooth. I've never played Super Bonk. I've only played the original Bonk's Adventure. It was a lot of fun. I, I never owned it. I rented it a few times, and um, it was one of my favorite rentals. I, I, I picked it up probably uh, at least 10 times over the years, and um, I never beat it, never got all the way through, but it's one that, uh, again, I'll have to boot up and play one of these days. What if I can, uh, if I make the time? I want to give a quick shout out to uh, my buddy Normally Retro over on YouTube, who does a, a series called A Question of Character. It's just like a four or five minute little thing where he like delves really humorously into a video game character, and Bonk is one of the ones that he recently did. And it's a, it, it's a good starting point. I would definitely encourage people to go check that out. It's doesn't take long, not a big commitment, and he's done a lot of them, and they're hilarious. So, normally retro on YouTube. Okay, nice. Or just a question of character on YouTube, and you'll find it. Nice. But then, man, then, then we move in <laughs> to a track that I was dying for you to hear that I've been Your talking about forever. big surprise of the episode. Yeah. The main theme from A Prehistoric Tale, composed by Jochen Hippel. This is an experience. Man, this is Amiga music at its best, dude. This oh. is this is oh, it's so stellar. fantastic. 
absolutely stellar dude like this is so good um i love the top comment on youtube because it's exactly how i felt <laughs> when i first heard it yeah it says i imagine the lead designer talking to the composer uh we asked for a piece of music for a silly dinosaur game with a funny little guy in sunglasses not a spiritually transcendent godly song of cosmos <laughs> <laughs> because that's what yeah. it is it takes you on this otherworldly journey dude like you just feel like you're going somewhere when you're listening to this especially if you close your eyes if you're in the state of um, non sobriety like I am if you're uh, if you're elevated as it were yeah, elevated <laughs> to the core yes trees are breathing all around you and you're that's listening right. to this track that's right it oh, is something man. special it's just man it's just good it's well, like you good. said, it's just freaking it, awesome. It, it just keeps moving into new things and it flows like it's not just like there's an abrupt change somewhere. And oh, now we're in a different part of the song. It just it's so smooth. And you were doing some looking while we were listening. And uh, this guy's done quite a bit of stuff. And he was credited somewhere as a master or a, an experienced programmer on the Amiga. Yeah, which and I think that shows, it, right? Yeah. He's definitely an experienced Amiga programmer. Yeah, this guy is a is a master of this this sound chip. Jochen Hippel. Um, so apparently he's done a lot of games and most of them are actually all of them. Not even most. Every single one of them is either an Amiga game or an Atari ST game. And a lot of them are both, right? A lot of them released on both systems. Now, he created all of his own tools that he used to compose the music for the Atari ST and the Amiga and ported most of Thalion's early Atari ST titles to the Amiga for them. Because again, oh, okay. he wasn't just a composer, he was a programmer as well. Now, apparently, he also created the Amiga 7 voice replay routine, which was used in several Thalion and Eclipse titles. But interestingly enough, it was later used by Chris Hulsbeck in his TFMX replay routine for the title music of Turrican 2 and Turrican 3. So Chris using something that uh, Jochen Hippel created, which is kind of cool. I can, hear, I can hear some Hulesbeck in this track, or probably more likely I, I can hear Hippel in some of Hulesbeck's stuff. Because, man, man, this... I'm always amazed when I f hear a composer who I've never heard of before, and their stuff just blows me away, and I find out that they have a lot more out there. Because it's just... It, it's so cool. It's like finding buried treasure. And there's just like a trail of coins to the next treasure chest. <laughs> it's just, man, this is well, and, so and, good. And when was also discovering that? Oh, go ahead. Uh, when was his first uh, his first game? So his first game. Let's see here. Nineteen. Oh, I wish this was. Oh, I guess I can sort it on Wikipedia, right? Nineteen eighty-seven. Okay. Okay. And it was the Great Gianna Sisters, uh, the Atari ST version that was originally oh, composed by Chris Hulsbeck. By Chris Hulsbeck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they apparently must have been, because uh, Hulsbeck also is a German composer, just like Hippel. Mm -hmm. I imagine. I, they yeah, knew they each had other. to have yes. known. You yes. know, been a, they knew each other. Yeah. For if sure, not that's... friends. So. Mm -hmm. Got a, got a Rob Hubbard, Ben Daglish going thing thing going on there. Yeah. Hipple born in 71, Hulsbeck born in 68. So they're right around the same age as well. So yeah, you imagine they're friends. Man, this, is, yeah. this is so good. And then uh, what's interesting about this, Bedroth, and I'm going to let you take this because you found it. 
but there's some controversy around this track, but not because of Yo, uh, Yoke and Hippel. Yeah, so I was looking through the YouTube comments and I kept seeing this thing like, um, like uh, Jorgen's theme is also really good, things like da-da-da, and then I finally found a link um, to a guy who was doing a comparison video of two different versions. Um, now, Hipple's is undeniably the original, uh, but yes, absolutely. there was an Amiga demo later on um, that was called, what was it, like Full Moon, New Moon, uh, yeah, Full Moon, and the composer for that demo uh, included a track called Nearly There. Uh, his name was Yogir Liljedal, and the tune is almost exactly Jochen Hippel's track, and there is no crediting anywhere, which apparently this guy was kind of infamous for, uh, like borrowing other music and not giving credit. But yeah, so there is, there's a little controversy about, about that guy. Do you see in the, in the description of that video you linked me where it's talking about the controversy, it says here about the track we just listened to, the title theme or main theme from a prehistoric tale. The title music is rated by many as one of the Amiga's finest compositions. Oh yeah, you, you have to, you have to think so. I mean, this is like, this is like the dancing mad of the Amiga, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just one of those that's, it's hard to beat. And, uh, what's funny is that full moon, um, so nearly there is what he titled this and, and yeah, he was nearly there. He, he nearly <laughs> made a good original track, except, you know, it wasn't original. <laughs> <laughs> nearly there. Yeah. But yeah, man, not even close, more like it. And I was, we've got a lot of European composers in this episode, so that's, we do. that's really fun. I think there's a lot of great stuff coming out of that scene so and, and in fact i've got one in my next block we're going to take kind of a global tour on this next block because we're starting out with um you know back to hudson good old hudson soft with some with a japanese composer and then we have a um what almost has to be norwegian composer and then we come around to an australian composer who i happen to uh, to know pretty well and have a really good relationship with so what do you say ready to to jump into it let's do it i'm excited you're hyping up one of these tracks for me so all three of these tracks are great one of them i think is just kind of heads and shoulders above anything else i brought today but all three of these tracks are fun you're gonna love this and we're gonna start things off with stage theme one from adventures of dino ricky released august 1989 and composed by takiyaki kunimoto
Next up, we're going to listen to track one from Prehistoric Man, released January 25th, 1996, composed by Thorsten Mitchell. Finishing up my first block, we're listening to Daylight and Dinosaurs from Caveman Boy, released April 7th, 2020, and composed by Volts Supreme.
Knight and coming back in. We're talking about the adventures of Dino Ricky on the NES, a Hudson Soft joint composed by Takeaki Kunimoto. And you were not aware of this game at all, but you said this was a fun little track. It is, man. It's super fun. So I I owned this game back on the NES. It came out in 1989. um, And... I, I never made it past the second level. This game is super hard. You play as this little caveman. You said it looked like a Rambo clone when you saw gameplay it footage of it. It kind of does, yeah. I mean, it's described as like an overhead shooter, right? Like it one is. of those top it's down a, shooters. It's a vertical, yeah, top down vertical shooter. You play as this little cave boy um, who Rambo is, is not uh, a vertical shooter, but like you, you, the character you control just was walking north, basically. Oh, okay. And that's what okay. I thought this looked like when I looked at screenshots. Okay. Now, this is an auto-scrolling vertical shooter, and you're a little cave boy um, who is, you know, walking toward, walking away from the screen, and you all the dinosaurs and stuff, like, run at you, and there are obstacles to avoid, and you can throw weapons and upgrade weapons, and there is one power-up that lets you turn into this, like, giant beast, which I'll let you talk about a little thing that you found there in a second, but, uh, <laughs> like, giant just big super massive muscly cave dude and you can plow through enemies with it but the thing that made this game so hard is there were these obstacles uh these lily pads that you had to jump over on the water and man i don't know if it was i think it was the hit detection on these things was just really bad you could land look like solidly on the lily pad and it just wouldn't register that you were there and so that was that was a shame but it seems like they put the best music in the first level, and that was probably a good choice because I don't think a lot of people made it past it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if, and I don't think he has, but that reminds me of an angry video game nerd video that he did where the hit detection was just awful and he kept falling through when he shouldn't have been, like he was landing directly on the platform. Um, yeah. I just wonder if maybe he's ever done this one, but I can't remember him actually doing it. it. He's up. got so I'd... many. He's got so many that I can't remember everything that he's done. Um, yeah. But you said you found something really cool about this game in Japan. I did, yeah. So over in Japan, there's a professional wrestler who recently retired, actually, by the name of Riki Choshu. And the character from this game, The Adventures of Dino Riki, that's where he gets his name from this wrestler, Riki Choshu, who apparently wrestled throughout New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, from 1987 to 1998. Uh, but he also wrestled for other promotions over in Japan, like New Japan. Uh, I just mentioned that one. Um, well, it doesn't say. Huh. But he wrestled elsewhere before New Japan. Um, it just says early years from 1974 to 87. The only promotion it gives credit for. So I, mean, I guess I don't know if there's the equivalent of the indie scene that the U.S. has or the territory scene back in the 70s and 80s, I guess, that the U.S. had. Uh, I don't know that that existed in Japan, but maybe it did. That's Um, cool. But this dude was wrestling still up through 2019 when he retired. Man. He's 71 now. So (laughs) that would have meant he retired when he was like 68. Yeah, 67 or 68. Yeah. Yeah. Man, what a run. What a friggin' run. In the game. So since the character (laughs) gets his name from Ricky Choshu. Um, he, who also, by the way, appeared in a lot of advertising and commercials for the game over in Japan. But when the character in the game gets a power up, he transforms into the Japanese wrestler and can <laughs> cause damage with his trademark lariat, which That's is a clothesline. So random. So and you random. said here in the U.S. version, he turns into just like a bigger version of a caveman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Big, strong caveman, dude. And we should, uh... 
Have you got, have you done a wrestling games episode yet? We did NES wrestling games all the way okay. back on episode three. I think we, we ought to. Uh, we haven't touched it since. We ought to bump that up and do some post NES wrestling games. I'm Maybe okay pencil, with it. pencil that in for next year. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I like that idea because because this because when you said that it reminded me of. Uh, um, uh, one of the other shows I listened to, XVGM Radio, just did a, uh, a Natsume um, episode, and they talked uh, about... Natsume Championship Wrestling. Yep, or Nihon, uh, Nihon something pro wrestling, um, not Nihon Falcom, but something Nihon pro wrestling, and there was a version of one of those games that uh, featured the theme of the Japanese wrestler Jumbo Tsuruda, and it is a fantastic tune, and so I'm sure there's a lot of great wrestling music out there that, that oh, I yeah. just haven't explored, so yeah, we gotta check gotta out do Saturday that. Night slam masters mm-hmm. yep yep <laughs> but before we go down that rabbit hole we're gonna go to uh, from from a cave boy dino ricky to a prehistoric man talking about track one from prehistoric man on the game boy released january 25th 1996 so late in the game boy cycle i think that's uh, shortly before it started transitioning to like game boy color game and then boy eventually color, game yeah. boy advance yeah uh, com- composed by a relative unknown who didn't do a lot of work thorsten michel but man man you can tell he's influenced by some of the other like European guys. This is a very European sounding track. And this is the one I was excited for you to hear, man. <laughs> I freaking love this, dude. It's so strong. It actually, this track and your next one really, really yeah. put me in a good spot with where <laughs> I'm at right now. I was looking at gameplay of this, okay? So watching a long yeah, play on, on YouTube. It me looks too, yeah. awful. I mean, it doesn't look as bad as some other stuff out there, but I will What's say that... What's with the hang gliding segments? I, I think that that's just like stage intros. It doesn't even look like he's doing <laughs> anything. so bad, dude. But the platforming segments, I will say, uh, the graphics look decent. I mean, For 96, this is rough. It, it, it reminds me of the Rocky and Bullwinkle game on the NES oh, and SNES, which just God. controlled like absolute Garbage. crap. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so probably going to join the There's a lot of slowdown in this video as well as I'm watching it. Like, I, it looks like there's frame stutters and frame rate issues. It just probably going to join the annals of uh, horrible video games with incredible music. Because oh, yeah. I mean, every track, <laughs> every track on this on this soundtrack, I, I could have brought any of like the six tracks that were on my short list and it would have been as good or maybe better. But I really like the evolution of this track, which is why I brought it. Okay. And it was also pretty different from anything else that I brought. And uh, very interesting that for a Game Boy track, that's three minutes. Usually that means there's like a loop around a minute and a half or so. This does not loop at all. But again, that's kind of a European thing. Um, I think that those guys, because they were a lot of them, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy did some like, you know, Sid Chip composition and some of those early like like that kind of like demo scene stuff, because that's what this sounds like. The whole soundtrack sounds like like Commodore 64 demo scene type work. And um, I'm going to bring three other tracks for for one of my radio hour blocks coming up because this game just hidden gem true hidden gem very nice look forward to that in a future episode of radio or probably next month right so or actually this month sorry we're in april already <laughs> yep but yeah listening to it again just you know around the two minute mark it's like it, it starts where every four or eight bars it it does something new and different again and it's just it's so fun it's so fun because it keeps jumping around to different things yeah and it's just really cool and the cover the cover looks sick like it does I it really looks like really it. cool. I wish the game it looked too, like that. I was going to say, too bad the game doesn't look like that. 
<laughs> yeah. But then I got to give a shout out to my buddy Volt Supreme, uh, synth master, uh, member of the band Wollongong um, from the, the town of Wollongong in Australia, uh, which is where, where, where he lives. And uh, this is uh, Volt Supreme, also the host of Volt Supreme's Synth VGM Dream Stream Machine podcast, and also the Crispy Kraken um, audio play podcast, which is super fun. Doesn't have a lot of episodes yet, but it's really funny. And Volt is a really great composer and arranger in his own right. He has a lot of really synthy stuff out there. And his soundtrack for Caveman Boy is just quintessential Volts. Oh, this is so good, dude. I, I yeah, will be honest really and say like that I've one. not listened to anything from from Volt Supreme. At least I don't think I have. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you like this, you, you got to I mean, check I'm out familiar his, his with stuff him yeah. from the podcast scene, right? I'm familiar with his show. I'm familiar with all that. But I don't think I ever thought to explore. I actually don't even know that I knew he was a composer, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But this is just absolutely dope. He really, really can bring bring the the smooth. And uh, talking about Dean Evans, this actually reminds me a lot of, of Dean Evans' work. But um, he's a huge fan of um, two composers who I remember that he had talked about a lot are Masashi Hamausu, um, of course, from Final Fantasy, and... Um, Jesper Kid, he really likes um, all of Jesper Kid's work. Oh, you don't say Jesper Kid, huh? Yeah, I don't say. I don't say. A couple of maybe previews because that last track, Prehistoric Man, reminded me a lot of uh, another guy that you and I both like, uh, Alberto yeah. Jose Gonzalez. Yeah. And yeah. Um, as we know, he was involved in some some games that maybe had a little prehistoric flavor to them. But we'll we'll get to that. Hmm. But I'm still vibing a daylight and dinosaurs right now, dude. <laughs> Me too, man. This is just this is just incredible. This Another is so probably cool. really mediocre game. If you want to look up Caveman Boy, it doesn't look like anything special. I'm not going to lie. Io. It, it, it looks vanilla as hell. It, it looks like just a little a random like web based platformer, but you can play it for free. So if you want to go check it out, check it out. Yeah, no monetary and, loss. And and you can uh, there's also a link to Volts' Bandcamp for the album on on the the web page for the game. So go check that out. Maybe throw him a couple of bucks and uh, check out the rest of his work, uh, both on Bandcamp and on YouTube. Because if you like this, I'm serious, it's really good stuff. This, unfortunately, only has 30 views on YouTube in like almost three years. That's sad. That's real sad. Yeah. Volts. Volts more people, a lot more people attention. need to hear this. <laughs> and I mean, but I mean, you know, he doesn't do it for the fame. He does it for the, for no, the love for the, of what for he the does. Fun. Yeah. For the, for the passion. Right. But yeah. And you can hear that in everything he does. It's one thing Volts is not short on is passion. He's a, he's a really cool guy. Very, also very, very nice dude. Very, very fun. Very pleasant. And um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Volts. Nice. Very nice. I'm glad you brought this. A, a surprising pick when I saw it on your list. I'm glad you brought it. <laughs> yeah. This is another one that occurred to me pretty pretty early on, and I hadn't listened to it in a while. So I was hoping that it would it would stand up, and it definitely does. And it gives me a very different sound from, from most of the other things I brought. So Yeah. And I knew you'd like it, so. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, you uh, you dropped two names there a few minutes ago. <laughs> I did. Alberto Jose Gonzalez and, and Jesper Kid, otherwise known as Jesper Kid. <laughs> Some people, I mean, <laughs> I, I say Jesper Kid sometimes too. I'm not going to lie. Well, and I've heard Jesper Kide as well. Um, it, 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 you never can tell with these these European guys. So yeah, you just we'll just do our know. best. So, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. But uh, they are both featured in my next block. Yep. Uh, sandwich there. 
There's a track in the middle that is a very atmospheric track, unlike anything we're probably going to hear today. Oh, uh, mind a little not. later. Your last track. Yeah. Your last track, because I'm familiar with that game and the soundtrack. I don't know what track that is, but I know the type of music that's in that game, so... Yeah, your last track might be similar to my middle track in this next block. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and kick things off with a guy that we actually uh, interviewed last summer. Man, so, uh, if you highlighted missed that, my podcasting career. Go check that episode out if you missed it. We're going to take a listen to Ruins from Turok, Battle of the Bionosaurs. This released in December 1997, and it was composed by Alberto Jose Gonzalez. Hell yeah. Coming up next, we'll be taking a listen to Open Sea Zone from Sea Monsters, a prehistoric adventure. This released on October 25th, 2007, and it was composed by Mark Pennock. 
Last up in this block, let's take a listen to Robinson theme from Robinson the Journey. This released on November 8th, 2016, and it was composed by Jesper Kidd.
coming back in, we are talking about Ruins from Turok, Battle of the Bionosaurs, again composed by Alberto Jose Gonzalez. Mm, once again, hell yeah. Hell yes, uh, dude. There, this guy. And, you know, a, a comment we've made previously, but there is just not a single better composer on the Game Boy. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Fantastic. Fantastic work. And, and you know, I was telling you, and you, you knew it already, of course, you could just pull up a random list of all of all of Alberto's Turok game soundtracks. Yeah, throw a pick dart a, at the wall, a random, pick one, and you yep, got a good a track. video, and you got a good track. <laughs> this is, oh, this is so... It literally doesn't make a damn difference. You can play anything that he did on the Game Boy. Turok this is great, not, dude. It's great. And, and it fits in with the rest of your block, too. This was a really vibey block. Right? I thought so, too. I really did. Um, Turok is a franchise that I instantly think of, right? One of one of three. Uh, so I mentioned that with the Flintstones earlier, right? And Turok is another one that I instantly think of anytime I'm thinking like dinosaur video games or prehistoric games, things like that. I never did play the, the Game Boy versions, as I said previously. I played the N64 versions. And, and robbed myself of these soundtracks when I was just a kid. <laughs> but um, I've, I've heard the games for what they were were also pretty good. Uh, oh, I don't doubt it. Um, but but Tarak, uh, you know, based on the old uh, comics character and uh, some some of the best first person or third person, I guess. So first person games on the N64. They were um, really strong games and really good use of the N64 is very limited draw distance because yeah. the fog in those games was just part of the gameplay and yeah. just really cool stuff. Super and they're, they're, cool. I remember just the first time, you know, having grown up with Nintendo games and never really playing anything super violent beyond like Mortal Kombat, which is its own you know thing, almost cartoon violence. But... The first time I shot an arrow and a guy and blood just spurted from a guy's neck as he was running at me, <laughs> it was just whoa. Okay, this is something right. different. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, but yeah, man, it's it's uh, very mean, very good. What is there to say about Alberto Gonzalez that we haven't already yeah, said? Yeah, obviously I mean, we said so much back on that interview episode, right? So there really isn't much more that we could say that we haven't already said, as you mentioned. Um, but I will say that the reason I brought a track from this game is because this is one of two that I absolutely fell in love with during that episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So figured and I'd revisit it. Again, all of Alberto's music and all of the Turok games have, um, especially that he did, have really great music. So go check them out. And uh, nice to have an Alberto track to compare with that uh, Prehistoric Man track, because like I said, I could hear some of that European influence in that. And Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, dude. Um, also, Turok... Uh, not technically prehistoric, but it has no. dinosaurs. So has you got to you got to count it. it. I mean, it we could have brought Cadillacs and dinosaurs or Jurassic Park, neither of which are prehistoric games, but which have dinosaurs. So there Indeed. you go. <laughs> but for now, let's move on to definitely a prehistoric game. And yeah, man, uh, I brought a uh, National Geographic track back on the Ides of March episode. You did. And I did not expect to see another one ever come up. <laughs> yeah, little did you know. That I would bring a track on our Prehistoric Planet episode from a game called Sea Monsters, a prehistoric adventure. Did not know this game existed. Uh, this, again, was composed by Mark 
Pennock, who you found some information on because he is very limited in terms of the information out there. Yeah, um, he didn't compose for very long. Um, he only worked from like, according to this list from Moby Games, from like 2006 to 2008. Yeah. Um, very, very short stint. On, yeah, the PS2, the Wii, and the DS. And then like one game for Windows. Um <laughs> And, and nothing I've ever heard of before. Likely a lot of shovelware. That's that's likely what I, I mean. This was negatively received. This game got poor mm-hmm. reviews across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, this was basically a survival game, I want to say. There's not a ton of information on the actual game itself. It says players can control, and I'm going to butcher the absolute hell out of these dinosaur names. Oh, yeah. Um, don't, don't worry about it. Players can control. Thalassoa Medion, which is a type of plesiosaur. Okay. Henodis, which is an extinct placodont of the late Triassic period. Uh, Temnodontosaurus, which is an extinct genus of ichthyosaur. Ichthyosaur, okay, those are the the fish ones. Little fish guys, yeah. Yeah. That's actually the one in the... I think the top there? No, maybe? I think so, yeah. Looks similar to that. Um, Tylosaur? Which okay. is a genus of Mosasaur. Don't know what that is. Mosasaur. A large predatory marine reptile closely related to modern lizards and snakes. Okay. That sounds a mosasaur sounds familiar, but I can't I can't bring up an image. Definitely plesiosaurs, I think, are what most people think of because of Nessie. Dola Corin Chops, which is a extinct genus of polycotylid plesiosaur. Man, you can tell this was National Geographic. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nothosaurus, which is a Sauropterygian reptile. Apologies to all of our paleontologists out there. <laughs> um, it says this is set in an open world setting, which I find hard to believe being a Wii and PlayStation 2 game. Well, I mean, the Wii had uh, Endless Ocean. Mm, Sure. Um, It says there's no fixed goal (laughs) besides collecting all the hidden fossils. Um, Endless Ocean could well have been an actual geographic game, too. Could have been, yes. um, But the YouTube comments make this seem like it was a, a horror game or a survival game because it says... Uh, there was, there was one, oh, gives me a tear every time. Who remembers that Hainodose mission that had you swim to the finish? That was terrifying. Hmm, okay. So apparently there was some, like, danger here, which is why I brought this track, and I was telling you that as we were listening to it. So I had a feeling, and based on the tracks that I was bringing, I just had a feeling that we weren't going to have a lot of elements of danger, right? And mm-hmm. this game, Sea Monsters, a prehistoric adventure, it's set in the ocean, Clearly, it's all sea monsters, the vast Which, ocean. The music, very, very, very reminiscent, reminiscent of ocean. Of underwater yeah. music, yes. And what's crazy, dude, is that we know so little now of our ocean, right? Yeah. Because it's so damn deep and it's hard to get down there. Obviously, probes can go down there, and as technology gets better, we're able to do more, but there's still a lot of. <laughs> ground to cover (laughs) for lack of a better way to say it right there's no ground there but on the bottom of the ocean there is ground and what we've explored of the ocean is probably what one percent two percent i have i have heard i've heard figures like that before and and yeah i mean it's it's we've explored more of outer space 
yeah. than we've explored <laughs> of the ocean. Well, I mean, like, you know, not not exactly, because outer space is basically infinite, but we have spent more time and more we've money exploring more outer space. We've explored more of our solar system than the ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's right there. It's under us. We're we're messing the thing up beyond recognition. And and yeah, oh, yeah. we know so doing, little doing what about we do it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, like we talked about at the top of the episode. But... But man, then there's still new stuff washing up. There's still new footage of like, you know, deep sea folks. And I mean, I just heard recently there's a there. So there are these um, these phenomena called blue holes that have popped up in, in different areas. There's one in South America that's pretty famous. And it's just it's just like oh, this circle yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Of, of water. And it's just like super, super, super deep. And they finally explored the bottom of one of them. Um, and they found the bodies of three divers, uh, a GoPro with vacation pictures on it and some some plastic bottles at the bottom of this thing because of course there's gonna be plastic down there why wouldn't there be oh, of course of course i'm sure that uh, our trash has made it farther than we have uh, in in a lot of different places but <laughs> but but you know they, they just now like this last year this year explored the bottom of this thing and it's it's crazy to think about stuff like that yeah it's but this track insane. was really nice, dude. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Very chill in a lot of aspects. But again, it has that element of danger that I really like. And how about that, like, very subtle choir in the background? Yeah. I was very telling cool. you, this this gave me Abzu vibes. Uh, Austin Wintry's Abzu soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But then we move into another vibe that, man. Ooh, baby. Ooh. Another track that I was excited when I heard you didn't find in your search of prehistoric tracks. This yeah. comes to us from Robinson the Journey. We listened to, we think it's called Robinson Theme Extended. I honestly thought this was Robinson's theme, just an extended version. Right, an extended but mix, but... Based on the YouTube video, what the, the information we have on the video, and the fact w- that which the channel comes directly itself, from, yeah. correct, from Black Screen Records, I think it's called Robinson Theme Extended. Um, Which may, may be like, a, I don't know if it's written for the soundtrack or maybe it's just a part of the game where the shorter theme is drawn maybe. out more by Jesper Kid. Maybe. But. Yes. But but this is just, this is just transcendent work <laughs> here. This is amazing by Jesper Kid, as you just mentioned. Uh, this came out back in 2016, November 8th for the PlayStation 4. And it was a PSVR game and the original PlayStation VR. So you couldn't play it in, in there was no non-VR mode. You had to have PSVR to play it. So the PlayStation VR came out the month prior on October 13th. This game was the reason that I initially bought a PlayStation VR. Cool. Um, so what are you doing in this game? So you are playing as Robin, who crash lands on this planet that is basically Earth 65 plus million years ago when dinosaurs are still roaming around, right? But it's <laughs> a little bit more advanced in certain so, areas as well. So several years before uh, Adam Driver's 65 yeah, movie came yeah, out, which absolutely, which is... <laughs> absolutely, which I heard was awful. It's, it has not been well received. <laughs> Tyson 3 is the name of the planet in Robinson the Journey. Okay. And you basically have to, so your base is your crash shipped, uh, which was called Esmeralda. And you eventually befriend a little tiny dinosaur and he becomes your pal as you are roaming around Tyson 3. Yeah, got to have a dino pal. Yeah, his, uh, I think it was Laika. I think, the, I think the dinosaur, he was a little baby T-Rex. I think his name was Laika. Oh, okay. Okay. And then you have this flying orb that's following you around that I think was the AI of your ship called Higgs. 
Okay. And um, basically, you are just moving about this planet, gathering resources and trying to figure out something a way off, right? Like something to do. But I don't want to spoil how it ends. Um, okay. Very cool. The The cover art of the album is yeah. giving me... Uh, <laughs> I like didn't know where else to Xenoblade. go from there without spoiling the end. <laughs> <laughs> giving you like Xenoblade and Monster Hunter vibes. Little, that's, why, that's why I said like the the world that you're on, this Tyson 3, right? Like, it, it seems to be more advanced, even though the planet itself is technically in, like, the Cretaceous yeah. or Jurassic period or something like yeah. that. Um, very beautiful game in the original PlayStation VR. Now, with the PSVR 2 released, I would absolutely love to see this remastered and ported to that. I would buy it and play through it in a heartbeat. It's so freaking good. And Very cool, man. And, and man, track, the music man. is just uh, oof, oof. Oh, oh. I love this theme, man. I love it yeah, so much. This is so really good, good stuff. What a strong playlist we've had. We've had yeah, so far. You were right to be excited about this one. And uh, and it's not over yet, man. Uh, I have got some really fun stuff coming up in this next block. Let's get to it. Let's get ready to close the show out. All right. Got to get some some more nice cheesy punk goodness in as we always do with this this you era of this series. <laughs> <laughs> this era of this series. You've never brought a track before from this game, yeah, but we have played several like from game. from other. And and this game is not great. It is not great at all. But again, the premise sounds really cool. Like a lot of other, um, you know, mid. Uh, mid-series Sonic games but it just it languished on the Wii and it wasn't well made but before I bury the lead again too much we're going to listen to The Wicked Wild the theme of Dinosaur Jungle from Sonic and the Secret Rings released February 20th 2007 composed by Fumi Kumitani and featuring Rumblebee on vocals <laughs>
coming up next is the Spinosaur boss theme from Jurassic the Hunted, released November 3rd, 2009, composed by Marek Lasina and Yurai Karakush.
and my final track of the night closing out my second block this is guitar night theme from ancestors the humankind odyssey released august 27 2019 composed by mamo koba back in from my second block <laughs> we are first talking about the wicked wild theme of dinosaur jungle from sonic and the secret rings <laughs> and man what a fun track dude what a, what a silly track, track. <laughs> it what is a silly so silly track. composed by fumi kumitani with uh 
lyrics and vocals by Runblebee. Yeah, not a not a mispronunciation or a typo there. That is Runblebee with an N. And somebody who you said has been featured on a uh, quite a few Sonic tracks. Yeah, definitely saw him pop up on several different games related to Sonic. These lyrics, uh, <laughs> you know, they're they're just silly, like. They don't make a ton of sense, but they're just silly. I mean, you know, it's a jungle. <laughs> the yeah. Wicked Wild. The Wicked Wild, some may say. Uh, dinos roam all over. and that's, Because it's a that's, jungle. Yeah, that's pretty much the story. I mean, it's called Dino Jungle, so. Yeah. And uh, this track, man, to funk it. <laughs> to funk it, yeah. To funk it, yeah. To funk but, it. But man, Not what I thought he was saying at first. <laughs> this, this is just, man, the drums and the guitar on this are just such a jam. You got, like, the tribal running drums and that that's that guitarist wails man it's good stuff it's really good i've not played sonic and the secret rings um i knew someone that had it but... i i own it but i haven't jumped <laughs> in i mean it's on rails and it just i remember I, yeah, i've heard it's rails, really janky crappy wii game yep and but but it's such a cool premise and the music is really nice but it's just man man kind of like, like sonic we and the always Black say Knights. yeah sonic music is always good Generally, always, yep. even the music in Frontiers is good. Game, yeah. terrible, but the music's good. <laughs> Game's not even that terrible. It's average, but still. Yeah, yeah, not not as bad as, like, for example, Sonic Forces. But, no, uh, no. But then we move on to uh, to my danger track with some even more shredding guitar. Yeah. As you face what I think is the final boss of Jurassic the Hunted, the Spinosaur. And man, this Spinosaur on the YouTube video, he just looks evil as hell, dude. He looks like he wants to do all kinds of nasty things to you and your family. <laughs> but this is ugh. I don't know that I've ever heard of this game. I don't um, think I ever had either. Yeah. This I don't I don't know what type of game this is, um, but the guitar is it's very heavy. I was surprised to hear this because, again, this is not something I've ever, ever heard. It's funny. And I think especially toward the end, I got these vibes. But one of the YouTube comments says, finally, we found the Doom Slayer's pet. <laughs> Which, yeah, perfect summation. Um this is apparently kind of a Monster Hunter-like game. Uh, you go around and you're you're just hunting these massive oh, dinosaurs, huh, and you okay. got to try to wear them down. From from what I saw in some of the descriptions, but um, there's another track I almost brought for. It's a theme for the Raptor fight, which is a little more vibey than this. Um, it's got a little more more of that that classic Jurassic Park style danger sound to it, but. The Spinosaur, of course, popularized in Jurassic Park 3. Uh, that is true, yeah. The Spinosaur was probably actually not that great on land, from what I've heard. Uh, it was more of a water dinosaur, they're starting to think, uh, with more and more discoveries. This was relatively recently discovered. I mean, Jurassic Park 3 was quite a while ago now, but it, at that time, it was, it was a fairly new discovery, I think. But... Uh, yeah, Jurassic Park, n not on this list, but there is some good stuff musically out there. Did you play any of the, uh, the Jurassic Park games, like on the SNES and Genesis? Um, there was one on the Super Nintendo that I played, yes. Okay. I don't remember which one. 
but again, I, I did play quite a bit of Jurassic World Evolution and Jurassic World Evolution 2 on PC. Okay, okay. I haven't played any of those. Um, Jurassic World, is that kind of like a combo, like, action game and also a building game? No, it's literally a, a sim theme park type Okay, thing. so it's sim game. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. You're, bu- you're so making just, your just own a building Jurassic game. Park. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I... I couldn't remember if there were any action elements in it or not, but... Um, so the Jurassic Park on the SNES, I played a little bit of. It's a top-down, four-way walking shooter type game. And the gameplay was kind of meh from what I remember. Um, but the music in that game is actually very nice. There's a very classic track from SNES Jurassic Park called Triceratops Trot that if you haven't heard it, um, you're going to because it's another another one that I've got banked for a radio hour at some point. But it's really good, really good stuff. The music in the Genesis one is a lot more, a lot more atmospheric. I wouldn't even call it ambient because it's it's almost barely there. But that game is a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time on the Genesis Jurassic Park game. And it was cool because you could play through it as either a raptor, which was kind of easy mode, or you could play through it as Alan Grant. And uh, both different versions of of the game, but it's still a side-scrolling action game. And just a lot of fun. It was a really cool game. Uh, I remember it fondly, at least. Okay, nice. But yeah, talking about Jurassic Park, because I don't know anything else about this game besides what I already said. And it's it's called Jurassic the Hunted. So, yeah, but very cool. Very cool game. I like this one a lot. Me too. Very, very different from my final track, which is a lot more reminiscent of that. That Sea Monsters track that you brought, mm. uh, closing out my block with a non-dinosaur track, uh, and not as prehistoric as some of the other ones that we that we talked about, although probably more more accurate to our earliest origins. Uh, talking about ancestors, the humankind odyssey. Uh, this was uh, composed by Mamo Koba, and this game came out a few years ago now. Um, and you have 20... a fun story about this game that <laughs> you told 19? back on Max Level. Yeah, 2019, 2019 yeah, four out, years yeah. ago. Um, yeah, I played this game when it first came out. Shout out to the crew. Uh, honestly, I forget who composed it at the, or who developed who made it, it or published it yeah. at this point. It was Private Division, which is a, a sect of Take-Two. So shout out to Take-Two. Um, okay. You know, I still get games from Take-Two from time to time. I just got WWE 2K23 from them not that long ago. Um, but yeah, Ancestors the Odyssey, a, a survival game uh, where you start out as these hominin species, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and are playing through them in this prehistoric African setting as their evolutionary journey begins, right? Like... What happens in the game and what happens to your characters and what happens to your tribe is going to affect your evolution. So, which is a really cool premise and <laughs> it's concept. It's a dope idea. It's a, it's such a sick idea, dude. Such a sick idea. Very cool premise and very cool mechanic for a game. So I get this right. I'm playing through. I start a fresh run. I'm streaming it on Twitch, and I'm like ten minutes in. I'm swinging from tree to tree. I'm going somewhere. I'm trying to get to a quest objective or something, some marker, because uh, this game was not that great on direction, from what I remember. <laughs> um, and I miss. Right. I'm swinging from tree to tree, and I miss. And what I mean is, I don't grab the branch. Right. Um, and I fall. I fall far. 
<laughs> I land on my left arm and it breaks. And there goes my lineage, right? From there on, <laughs> because my character could not use his left arm and it never heals properly, my entire playthrough was affected in various ways. And that irritated me. I never actually <laughs> finished that run. Um and it's just crazy that something like that, right, that happens within the first several minutes of playing the game mm -hmm. can have a lasting effect throughout the entire journey. Still a very cool concept, right? But it does bring with it some limitations because if you really do some damage to your character or you mess something up, you're going to be paying for it in the future. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's true about life. And I did just check. I do have this game on Steam. Um, so I'm uh, not going to, sorry, not to, to walk over that uh, poignant point that you just made. <laughs> did I make a poignant point? But yeah, the, you know, it's kind of like life, you know? Oh. <laughs> your your mistakes can can come back to haunt you for sure. Sometimes but, I don't uh, even realize what I'm saying, Bedroth. I just... <laughs> You're just in the groove, man. In the groove, which this track, this track let will the do. Drugs do the talking. Very ambient track, guitar night theme, uh, with just some really cool, chill electronic and acoustic guitar vibes, and uh, you know, in keeping with how we've closed out each block of the show. Very nice, yeah. Some really, really nice stuff, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna dig into this game at some point because it sounds really, really intriguing. But I will. Uh, Try to be, be careful. careful not not yeah. to break my arm 10 minutes in. <laughs> Beware the Ides of March. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, this was fun. This was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, we had quite a bit more epic tracks than I thought we were going to on this show. Uh, I'm impressed. I'm very I, impressed I have with what to, you came up with. I really have to give your track of show, though, to that that Amiga track. Man, a prehistoric tale just is Nothing on a whole other level. Nothing was going to beat that. I, I mean, I knew that coming in. Nothing was going to beat that. Not even Alberto Gonzalez was going to no. beat that. That's no. uh, that was great stuff, but, but yeah, man, start to finish though. Had a lot of fun, and we're not done. We're not done. You got to talk because about that last track. We went this entire show without mentioning a franchise that is probably the most popular, right? When it comes to dinosaurs outside of Jurassic Park, um, in terms of overall franchises, but in terms of video games, this is by far the most popular franchise that has dinosaurs in it, and that is Dino Crisis. And specifically, we'll be talking about Dino Crisis. Two you um because we'll be listening to what is basically the credits music you think and dino crisis is more popular than monster hunter i don't consider monster hunter a dinosaur game but there's so many dinosaurs in it though right but it's but not a yeah, dinosaur game they're not like yeah that's true that's true this is <laughs> this is unabashedly a dinosaur series. monster hunter is significantly more <laughs> popular than dino crisis <laughs> Um, but it also, also has more also stuff besides Capcom, just dinosaurs. Which pisses me off because, <laughs> you know, Capcom puts so much love behind Monster Hunter, but has forgotten about Dino Crisis. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been since Dino Crisis 3 that only released exclusively on the original Xbox. Wow. Um, and was atrocious. Absolutely awful. Dino Crisis 2, the best of, of the trilogy. Um, but Dino Crisis 1 is not far behind. Um these are very, very good games, right? Kind of like action adventure, but there's some elements of horror as well, right? Because you're being chased by dinosaurs, like Resident Evil with dinosaurs almost. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's not, a, as, that's a good not as scary as Resident yeah. Evil, of course. Um, but my God, are these games just, again, the first two, so good. And the soundtracks are fondly remembered by anyone that played through these games. Like you look, take one scroll through the YouTube comments on this video and everyone's talking about having tears when yeah. this track kicked in being nostalgic like it's 
it's it holds up and it blows my mind that Capcom just will not revisit this franchise. That is that is a shame. That is a shame. But I mean Capcom music is always going to be always going to be good. It's always going to be good. Yeah. So, but I I really like this track, dude. This it's got this haunting kind of trumpet theme and Yeah. Again, some really... some danger, right? Some danger in this track. Yeah. Absolute yeah. danger. Yeah. But as a credits theme, it just it 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 sounds like end credits. It sounds really reminiscent uh, and really just like you just finished something that's kind of harrowing and you need to you need to vibe a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you're just finishing an epic episode of BG Mania, so you need to vibe a little bit. So we're going to close out go. with the Time the Crisis 2 track, right? Yeah. That's what we're doing. Really good. Really good pick for a closeout. So. Like I said, we couldn't do this episode, or this theme, I should say, without some representation from Dino Crisis. It had to be here. Yep, absolutely. So we'll just put it at a the couple, end. A couple other classic games. You know, I, I, I thought about Monster Hunter, but I didn't go with anything for the same reason you mentioned. It's not really a dinosaur game and it's, it's not prehistoric um primal rage crossed my radar um but wasn't really anything great there's some stuff on the genesis version that was all right um but several of my honorable mentions are going to be popping up later on as we as we go through the rest of the year on radio hour so uh i found so much so so much great music for this theme so yeah there's there's possibility that we do a part two of this sometime in the future mm-hmm. um but it would be far in the future right way like, down the line yeah yeah that's like if bg mania continues to exist as i as i had planned for the next decade then in like 2025 or 6 there might be a prehistoric planet part two yeah and in, in in jurassic universe when uh, when they decide to take dinosaurs to space that's going to be when oh we'll can do you that. imagine how sick that would be <laughs> oh my god that'd be dope yep. yeah that'd yep. be great Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, you have anything to plug? Um, so hopefully by the time this episode airs, uh, our... this, this will air on April 5th. Yep. If I am on the ball with editing, then we haven't recorded it yet, but we're going to be recording it soon as we as you and I talk. The Liar Liar episode of the movie bar will hopefully have dropped by the time you hear this. So go check that out. And... Uh, gonna shout out my uh, kiddo, Shoot Kapow, uh, college bound next year, going to the University of North Texas to study music composition. Nice. So congrats to her. But she is still going strong on YouTube. As we record, she just recently released a video. Uh, like a, I think it's a tier list. It might just be a discussion of all the Kirby copy abilities. Uh, okay. But, you know, more Pokemon and Pikmin content as well. So go check out Shoot Kapow on YouTube. And yeah, that's that's really it. All right. That is unfortunately going to bring us to the close of the show for this week. We do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania, made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. If you like video game music, and more importantly, you like us and you want to help us grow this show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Taking us out of this episode, we are going to be taking a listen to the theme of Dino Crisis 2. Yes, that is the credits music from Dino Crisis (laughs) 2, released on September 21st of 2000 and this was composed by Sayaka Fujita and Makoto Tomozawa. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.